All right. So one of the major talking points that we had over the course of this last season was the engine penalties and mostly just kind of component penalties in general. And so something I wanted to talk to you about today was, do you think that should be redesigned or is it good how it is? Or should they be allotted more components to work with throughout the course of the year? Or I don't know, just kind of your whole take on that, because I do have an opinion, but I'd like to kind of hear where you're coming from on that. Hey, Matt. Um, well, let's go over what the current penalties are. So what we're talking about is if you have to, they're given, what, four power plants and transmissions for the season right now. I believe so, yeah. And then, so what we're saying is if you if you have to exceed that number, you know, for some reason, because obviously the intent is to enforce not just raw power, but reliability. And that goes yeah. in conjunction with the cost cap. Well, and it isn't just power unit uh, that, that have a power units that have a limit. I mean, most of the components you have a limit as well, unless it's like reliability reasons or something. But there's, I think there's only a handful of things like front wings that don't have a limit. Right, right. But as far as power plants and transmissions, those were something that is, is part of the cost cap because those engines are extremely right. expensive uh, to build right, yeah. and test and all that. So they, you know, and obviously if you have more money, like we were, we've mentioned previously um, that before the cost cap came in, they would have a brand new engine transmission for each race. They would they mm -hmm. would run one. They only built it to last a race weekend, almost like a drag drag dragster motor. You know, like a top fuel dragster. They rebuild them after every run down the strip, you know, and replace whatever yeah. needs is necessary. And, and you can't do that in Formula One. You can't tear an engine apart once it's in park for May after qualifying. You know, that's it without penalties, unless it's a safety issue then you can replace certain safety components. Yeah, and, and it was back in the day, you were basically working with a very simple, like a V8, V12, just a, a pretty simplistic engine. There weren't like, I don't know, turbochargers or any kind of bells and whistles. It was just an engine and you could you could afford to either have a new one at every race or rebuild it every, every weekend, right? Whereas these days, like the, the engine's so much more complicated. So that's it's it isn't practical, I think, is part of the reason why that happens. But you know, I have an interesting anecdote on that. I okay. watched a video of a guy who bought, he actually owns two ex Benetton F1s, F1 cars. And even, okay. and these are the, he said, these are from the, you know, early to mid 90s, right? Um, ben okay. Benetton yeah. cars, and he said that that particular car it takes him and his son and a laptop to get it to run. So it is they were complex, but oh, he said that was the last generation of car that actually that 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 a person could own and actually start with the with just one other guy and a computer. Um, that wow. the cars they have nowadays require a, a team of people to actually get them re ready to run and very complex computer systems and stuff. So wow. even if somebody gave you like a brand new, you know, like the RB18 or something, you, you wouldn't, you could never start the thing. <laughs> it's not yeah, like you yeah. just hop in and hit the button and it starts up, you know. <laughs> There's uh, all these. Well, I guess that's why yeah. it's, it's such a big deal when they shut off the engine. 
Like there's no you just can't turn it back on if you're like on the side of the road of the track. Right. Like that is an issue if it's been running, but I the yeah. point was even then uh, it there was a 30 to 45 minute process, maybe an hour to get that to before they would be willing to hit the key to start the engine. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and, and that's going back 20 over 25 years about at least 25 years like 30 years so you know yeah yeah yeah. so that was that shows the level of complexity even then yeah wow it it took an basically two guys between a half an hour and an hour to get the car ready to roll you have to get um they have preheaters for probably exhaust gas things and you know things like that that you know Mm. that if you don't preheat things there you know there's just or the engine will detonate i <laughs> would not be good you know if it's just started if it started cold or whatever you know so there's there's procedures yeah. for all this so i can and he just mentioned that the cars that came after that when when they redesigned the they had the next redesign of the power plants were so complicated that he said an average person you know couldn't even do it wow and the, and this guy was wealthy you know he had made a lot of money in the building trades he was a british guy yeah and you know, so he had to have a special garage for it and still special equipment, but he said that was the last one. Mm. So, um, yes, they are, they, they've always been complex for years, but they're more com. The complexity now is uh, like off the charts. <laughs> right. So, but yeah. even that, so we, we, we have different subsystems in these cars now, right? We have the electric subsystem and the, you know, the battery power, and then you have the, hydraulic turbochargers and, the... and you have the hydraulics yeah. and you have you know the gearboxes transmissions and um yeah but the point is that if you have to change a major component non-safety related if you break something like in qualifying or in practice then you get a at least what a t- is it a five five place penalty for something minor and a 10 place penalty for like like a transmission or something like that well, I actually looked this up, and this is according to Formula1.com, so if they're wrong, then right, <laughs> I don't right. know what to tell you. <laughs> but for 2022, basically, there were um, uh, several different components, and it's actually three components, and it's moving to four next year. So it's three for the internal combustion engine and other power unit components this year, but it's moving to four in 2023. So You mean that, that where you, you can in- incur points for... Uh, the allocation for the year. There's oh, three, oh, 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 three. three. Oh, yeah, that's right. Components four, this year. four because they're adding two races next year. They upped it to four. That's exactly. Right. I remember that. Yeah. 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 Okay. But, but what are the penalties? The penalties is for the, for the engine itself, for engine components, it's a 10 place grid penalty for the first time an additional element is used. Well, and they, did they call an engine or power unit? Because they are referring to electrical engines as power units. They're using that term interchangeably nowadays. Correct. It's, I believe it applies to all of those. Okay. So if you replace the, either, either the electric or the internal combustion components, it's a 10 place penalty. Yeah, the the header is how our F1 engine penalty is given, so I'm using that. But the actual quote is the first time an additional element is used. Okay. Okay. I imagine that applies to all elements. And then the transmission, same thing? So basically there's two major components for the gearbox, and it's a five-place penalty for each one. And what this article basically goes into is talking about how when you need to replace one, you very often need to replace both, and that's a ten-place penalty. In which case, you might replace, you might as well just replace the whole engine. <laughs> is kind of what it's saying, but it's a five-place 
per component. Right. Yeah. That and that's what happens. Like if they're going to yeah. replace one, they're going. Then they replace the gear. They just go. Okay, we're going to do right. the whole thing and take a ten place penalty. That's the the most common. Now it does taper off. So like the second time you need to replace a component, it's only a five place place penalty for the power unit, whereas it's a ten place for the first infraction. So I, I guess the question is, and this is where I'm coming from. Is grid penalties the best way to penalize extra or excess use of components? And I would say no. Well, you know, I think since they have an allo- I agree with you because they have an allocation as it is. And so, you know, three, three right down, you know, or for the 2022 season, three, three power unit components and then four transmissions or gearboxes. Mm-hmm. So I, to me, it's like, I think maybe once you start a race weekend, then there should be a standard grin penalty if you replace anything that you start the way. In other words, once the car is parked, is gone through qualifying, then yeah, I can see a penalty for changing something. Like, you know, once it enters parked for me. But I think, um, which is kind of what they're doing now. But what I don't like is the exorbitant, you know, where somebody winds up starting in the back of the grid you know, in other words, if you have a ten place grid penalty and then you and you qualify fifth, you're all of a sudden in fifteenth spot. Yeah. And I don't you know, I don't necessarily like that for a reliability issue. That's a heavy, you know, especially if you're contending for the title or something. Um, or you know, of course that's during the race weekend the or are you talking strictly the violating the allocation thing? Uh, just for the allocations for the year, I think okay. I think it's okay. a little okay. bit well, too nuanced and off in the weeds if we're talking about uh, you know sure after or like between sessions or whatnot. So okay, okay, so purely let's for the that. yearly allocation. Yeah, if you have a problem yeah. during after the car is in park for me after qualifying, then you're on your own. <laughs> the, 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 right. Those yeah. are rules that yeah. have always been there. You just mean yeah. Okay, so if you exceed the allocation, okay, so. Now, the only thing I will say is without uh, the allocations were there again to prevent, you know, to help enforce the cost cap. But Mm -hmm. if you already have a cost cap, why have limitations on allocation? Well, that's a good question. That's what I just thought in thinking about it. I think the cost cap is the limitation and that should be it. That is one way to go about it, because these components are obviously all within the cost cap so mm. you'd think that would be its own you know and in, in on the one hand if you wanted to get rid of penalties altogether yeah and just say stick to the cost cap if a team wants to spend all of their money on fresh engines every single race or every other race let them it's a strategy decision yeah i like that yeah yeah That's why interesting. why in the world would they do that then <laughs> why it makes no sense because Oh, maybe because it's a sustainability angle, whereas rebuilding or making new engines every year or every race well, gets into... Well, but you have the money, you're developing, you're probably developing just as many engines, just not using them or taking That's those... That's true. Or I bet you for every race that winds up on the track, they build two or three right now. And they test them, and the one that's the seems the best is the one that winds up on the track. Yeah, that's fair. So, yeah, I don't. That would not be uncommon with with race engines. So, interesting. Um, now you've got to bear in mind that these components, these engines are are or power unit as a whole are unbelievably expensive. I think there's something they're in the in the millions, the multi sure, multi millions. Sure, but you have a hundred forty five million dollar 
you know, and you have an entire rest of the team to run too. Well, you have 24 races. So, right. You know, you, you could build 24. Let's say you could do the whole thing for 2 million, you know, and I don't even think it's that much. I think let's just say a million for engine and transmission. So you could uh, allocate 24 million and, and, or, you know, whatever the 22, 23, how many ever races were running that year. And I think you could do that. Um, it could be more, but you know, because so I'm according to Google, and I, you know, who knows right. when when this article was written. But according to Google, they're they're around ten million a pop. Yeah. Now I would here's here's the thing: are the is that material cost, or are you factoring in, you know, the overhead of engineering and blah blah blah? I have blah, no blah. idea. Yeah, that that's <laughs> that's why the, I imagine it's purely material cost. I, but I, I don't know. Don't, I I bet it's I bet it's more complicated than that. Because okay, you know, but potentially, it it, it maybe not. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it could be. I don't know, <laughs> but regardless, they're very expensive. But it, but it, I would like to know what goes. You know how it is. Like you, you can qualify anything with statistics. <laughs> right, but as far sure, as the, yeah. you know, like you already have the engineers, you already have, you know, the production. Maybe it is ten million to to you know if you're casting parts, and they mm-hmm. may not even be able to build twenty four of these engines, but. Um, like I can see a rule that says you have to reuse and like an engine and transmission has to be used at least twice. You have to reuse it at least one time. Well, but you know, why, why do we want to impose more rules? I thought, well, we they've already done episode. that. They've undone that with well. the, they've already done it with the, you know, um, I mean, you know, if they want to, let me see if they want to make a nod towards sustainability, you know, you could do something sure. Okay. Like okay. That. But let's face it. We all have road cars and we don't replace our engines. You know, no, I, very few people will put four transmissions and three engines in a car before they <laughs> sell it. True. So I don't know how that argument holds water, um, you know. Well, it's because the teams are utilizing it and you can cut down on how much resources that they're consuming by regulating it. I, I don't know. That That's yeah, to me, that's a whole side I point. But I, I think they they've got one hundred and forty five million dollars. They could use it on wind tunnel design. They could use it on engineers. They can use it on. You know, yeah, um, because there may be a year where if you're a team, especially a new team or a team like Williams, it's, you know, or or McLaren or any of the other mid-pack teams, there's one year where you may go, hey, we need more power. So and, you know, forget um, reliability this year. Let's let's get some high performance components that may may or may not. It's a risk. But if that's where you want to put your money, it's a decision. Yeah. Well, like Ferrari this year, like what if they wanted to just decide to say, hey, you know what? We're not developing our arrow on the car that's already good enough. Yep. We have a very powerful engine, but it's not reliable, but we don't care. We're just going to make a bunch of them and we're going to run them ragged and we're going to win every race we can. Like, why wouldn't you allow them to do that? I, I have no problem with that. Yeah. And and maybe they would be ruining their prospects for the following season. I don't know. But that's their decision to make if they want to do that. And that's the nature of F1. And that actually is going yeah. to cause uh, different teams to rise, to bubble to the top in different years for additional yeah. reasons. Yeah. yeah. It, it's this um, this concept of trying to make this egalitarian notion of making everybody the same or every team the same, I think is diminishing the enjoyment and the competitiveness of mm. F1. and. 
Yeah. And it's also, honestly, in the long run, it's going to slow down uh, performance. Like last week, we talked about, you know, the innovations that are on road cars and sports cars and supercars. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. You know, just regular automobiles that came out of racing, including F1. Now, you're going to mm -hmm. limit that the more you limit this type of thing. And I just don't like artificial things like this, like forcing people to artificially, yeah. because racing engines are, by definition, high performance. And the average person is never going to run a high performance engine in their road going car. And if you if you do things to make your engine high performance, um, then you, most people should know. If not, they'll find out quickly. They're sacrificing reliability when they increase mm -hmm. performance. You know. Well, you get that in all of the fancy supercars. You get that in Ferrari. Well, maybe not as much Ferraris, but certainly Lamborghinis and probably Ferraris too, honestly. But like all of the big names, yeah. you have to like set up a a regular maintenance schedule with the the dealer because it will need it to keep running for a while. Well, you know? I'll I'll give you a perfect example that I'm personally involved in is i have okay. i have a, a dodge i have a ram truck with the 6.7 cummins diesel in it. i love this truck and nice. and but i've there's two different transmissions that go in these there's a, a there's one called an asin transmission that is superior and then there's the, like the 68 transmission it's like r68 or okay. something now what happens is if you you can chip you can put a new chip in the computer and hot rod the truck if you want right and what happens mm -hmm. is guys will do that. And they'll, there's other things you can do to hot rod them, but guys will do that. And then they'll go out off-roading, doing donuts. And, you know, now the thing's mm -hmm. rolling coal, you know, it's burning like they used to. And it's super fast. Mm -hmm. You can gain all this horsepower. And then they eat the transmission every single time. If they got the same transmission that I'm running right now, they eat them. And yeah. then they complain about the transmission. And it's like, <laughs> no, if you, well, you, there are, you have to rebuild the transmission and build it up. And yeah, there are things you can do to bulletproof the 68 transmissions, but you know, you have to do that. You know, when you do the motor, you need to do that simultaneously, yeah. not after you break it, you know? And right. so, you yeah. know, there, for example, but I, in my truck, I tow an RV and I do none of that. You know, I, I run the truck stock, you know, I didn't delete mm -hmm. the diesel fluid system and, you know, that kind of thing, the, the DEF system, and I haven't rechipped it. And I fully expect my transmission to last hundreds of thousands of miles because I'm yeah. running within the parameters that the engineers designed initially. Yeah. So, and so, yeah, yeah to, to me, if you're going to just completely trick out your car or your truck or whatever, yeah. and you don't replace, you know, a couple of components, you just kind of revoke your right to be able to complain about reliability of those of those stock components. Yes. You just you just don't get to complain. Yeah. You you're, you're running it. it so far outside of the original spec that like, of course, it can't handle that. <laughs> yeah. It's like I'm even on motorcycles back in the day when they were all carbureted. Yeah. You know, typ yeah, yeah. typical thing is people would rejet the carbs. You know, they put bigger jets in. And then it would, but, it, but people didn't always get the results and they'd be like, man, I rejetted my cars, but you know, the bike's not that fast. It's like, well, what'd you do to the exhaust system? You've got all this extra flow now and you're still yeah. running this gigantic, <laughs> heavy exhaust pipe, you know? So if you had to tune the motor and that includes the exhaust. So if you really want to do that, mm -hmm. you have to know why you're jetting it, how far you're going to go, what kind of exhaust you're going to need. 
and the transmission wasn't the big deal because they're more like they're um, staged like multi-plate wet transmissions like a dragster to be honest in motorcycles they're different than cars but mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. as some cars have those but very few but but the uh it's different than the standard dry clutch at the back of a flywheel type you know set up in a car so anyway but that's what um you know if you if you tune the entire thing and replace the exhaust system which yeah it's going to run you another 1500 bucks to do that but then mm -hmm. you get the benefit of rejetting and stuff, you know. Yeah. And so it's just one of those things. Yeah, there's downstream effects. You can't just improve one part without causing problems in others. So, but yeah. again, yeah, if teams, so you have high performance engines in Formula One. And if we're going to continue to get innovation out of Formula One engines and transmissions, then yeah, stuff's going to break <laughs> along the way. Yeah. And, yeah. and if not, if you, if reliability becomes a, like if you're hamstringing the teams because ooh, you only get three engines or four engines next year, you know, power plants and, you know, maybe five transmissions next year, then, um, you're not going to, the innovation is going to stop because you have this artificial encumbrance of reliability. So mm -hmm. I agree. I, I think a team should be free. Like one year, if they want to run the same power unit transmission package they had the year before, but this year focus on aero, like Mercedes might have to do, mm -hmm. then that's their choice. But, you know, yeah. and, then, and that's that all goes into race strategy in the car. You know, I I don't see why you would have both. If they want to do yeah. they should either either have the uh, the and the power plant transmission allocation rules and do away with the cost cap or raise it dramatically or have the cost cap and do away with the grid penalties for replacing things under those circumstances you know for violating the allocation yeah in in principle i would definitely tend to agree with that okay. I, I definitely want to err on the side of fewer rules than yes. more rules but at the same time, obviously, you need a certain amount in, for order, in, in order for competition to even happen. But I don't think we're – I think we're well beyond that, right? Yeah. But let's just say that we wanted to keep the allocations and penalties for those allocations. Do you think that the grid penalty – doing grid penalties is the best way to penalize excessive use of parts? Because I personally don't. What 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 else would you do? Give me an example of what so, you're thinking. So I have to say that I did not come up with this. Okay. Yeah. But I it is the best result or, or solution that I have come across. Okay. I believe it was Chain Bear on YouTube who uh, proposed this, and it basically it's you for each component that has an allocation, you give a certain number of time penalties to. And you can replace as many as you want, theoretically, or you can only replace, you know, the certain amount, right? But for every new one that you, every one that you use above the allocation, it gets a certain un amount of time that has to be served during a race. You know, like a stop and go penalty or just add it to your overall time? Or add it to your, add it to a pit stop, something, something in that, in that ballpark so that you're, you're actually being penalized for using the components so that when you have Max Verstappen at Spa getting, you know, starting, you know, 15th or whatever, you actually have, he would start pole, but he would be needing to serve, I don't know, 20, 30 seconds during the race. And with that kind of a car, he could still overcome that. But so it what's would be a the lot more functional, difficult. Let me ask you this. I don't see a functional difference between that and a grid penalty. 
The functional difference is that grid penalties can be overcome very, very easily in the right circumstances. You can pass five, six cars on the opening lap. It depends on the track, though. You that can... is definitely true. But in a lot of circumstances, that's possible. Whereas with a time penalty, there's no getting around it. You have to serve the time. Uh, I don't know that that's true. I, I mean, I'm just thinking it out, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure I agree. I'm not being okay. con contrarian here. I'm just thinking this through. Well, be because think about it. You you still get your original qualifying position. So if you qualify pole, you still get pole. True. And I'm thinking of tracks like uh, Monaco where either like a grid penalty would destroy your race in Monaco. Yes. So, But so would a time penalty. Yeah. So in other words, there's no functional difference. That's what I'm getting at. Yeah. So I don't see that as a significant change is all. I just don't. There may be tracks like Spa, of course, is a crazy example because there's a Okay, few I will concede that it it would, the impact of it would change based on the track. I, I will grant that. Yeah. But I think there's plenty of times where, you know, you take a five-place penalty, like say you're, you know, I don't know, a Leclerc or a Max or a yeah. you know a Hamilton or whomever, and you you would you qualify pole and you take a five place penalty, you can overcome that in the first couple of laps. And then it's like, well then what was the penalty for? Whereas if you have to take a 10 second or 15 second penalty. Well, there's at some a point, few examples. Uh, if, I mean, there's a few examples of, you know, if where people have come from front to back to front, you know, but it's not common. It, That's true. It depends who it is and and how competitive the car is that year. And in that case, again, I don't know that there's a huge functional difference given like Max, given the 2022 Red Bull and Max driving it. I don't know that there's a huge functional difference between either of those penalties. Hmm. Um, well, again, maybe that's because we're looking at an extreme case in Max, and maybe we should look more at like a Perez or a Lando Norris or something. Well, a yeah, but that's where if you if you go the other way that I was suggesting is you just let people spend the money where they want and not penalize them, you know, for throwing in a, you know, their fifth power unit. Um, that's a strategy issue that, you know, in the background, absolutely for sure that they if they put more money into building engines, they had to take money away from some other form of development. Okay, the, the, I just thought of the difference. Okay, what? Okay, the difference is, in the current regulations, if you have to take more than a 15-place penalty, it's a back-of-the-grid penalty. Yeah. Whereas if it's a time penalty, all of the components that you're changing incur that time penalty and all have to be served. So it's a worse penalty if you Correct. change more things. Correct. I don't know that I like that any better than the other idea. <laughs> well, no, again, on, on principle, I think the, if we're just going to, you know, do whatever we want with the rules, right? If we can, if we have free reign over the rules, I think it would be better to remove the penalties and allow the cost cap to take care of it. But okay, given so, that there are penalties, yeah. would it be better to penalize with time rather than with, with grid penalties, with a grid placement? Well, let's, let's talk about that. So what circumstance, if the power unit is a five-grid penalty and the transmission is a five-grid penalty, what circumstances grant you a 15-place a penalty? Well, because it's per, uh, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, 
seven components in the power unit. Okay, so if you have to replace more than yeah. three. Right. If you have to replace more than three, you're back of the grid. Or more than two, it's back of the grid. So, so right now what happens is if you know you're going to be in 15th, you might as well replace all seven. Right. And you're, in, and you're in the back of the grid. That's the way it is right now. And you basically get a free X amount of components because you wouldn't have well, gotten those penalties anyway. I mean, not free monetarily, but no, free you're in terms paying of penalties. for it by being in the back of the grid. So what you're saying is, it, but if you had to multiply seven times five, that's a thirty-five second penalty, right? And so the question is, what's worse, being in the back of the grid or having a thirty-five second penalty? Right. I, I again, I don't in formula. It, it it's basically there's no functional difference between replacing four parts and all seven there's no difference yeah but i whereas i i agree so in other words he's thinking like chamber's argument is the time penalty is a lesser penalty than being stuck in the back of the grid no i don't think he's making that argument i think he's making the argument that doing time ensure during a, a time penalty ensures that the appropriate penalty is being applied, that you don't get free components. Oh, oh, he's wanting to be even more strict with this issue. Yeah, because what currently what we've seen here throughout this year is that basically, well, we need to replace these couple of components, so we'll just take it back to the grid and replace everything. Yeah. And that happened a lot. I mean, there was even one race, was it Monza? Yeah, I don't remember where. It was around there in the season where like half the grid was starting from the back. And that happened like a couple of times. And so yeah. it's like, well, maybe we should not do this back of the grid stuff and just do time penalties. And that would make it more, I don't know, more fair, more. I it'd be know. easier to track, too, because it's like, well, would they it? just have to. Why would it be easier to track? It seems to me to be harder to make sure everybody serves a time penalty than just where they start. The well, race. the stewards can take care of that, but it's like it's in qualifying. It's like, well, he qualified first, but did he? He qualified eleventh, but is he going to start sixth? Like, you know, it's all of this stuff, and it's like qualifying gets very confusing. Well, it, it's it's you either take your pain at the beginning or at the end of the race is what it boils down to because that chaos, okay, that okay, chaos, that's fair. That chaos that you're describing at the beginning after qualifying is just going to exist after the race because you're going to have everybody finishing, and then there's they're going to be this huge discussion. Well, did, did you know? Did he serve his time penalty? Did he get all 25 seconds in? You know, it'll be the it'll be that. So. I I would just be trusting the stewards to uh, make sure that that happens right, and it would happen. It would happen during pit stops. Well, I mean, they we're also trusting them to arrange the grid afterwards. I mean, either one of these creates a situation that's not completely dissimilar from the other one it's well, just that's, where that's where the chaos happens so you know i mean it doesn't appeal to me i i i'm wanting it to like i'm trying to be open to it but i don't see the benefit i don't i think it's it's even more litigious in a way and i and, hmm. and i kind of like i like anything that removes the um the rules it makes it just more basic like it used to, you know more common sense and just like let's go racing you know well and like i said my own personal opinion mm. like we've just discussed but uh, like uh, w i hadn't heard of i hadn't even considered removing the sure. uh, allowing the cost cap to take care of it as an argument prior to our conversation okay. which is part of why i love doing these things right because <laughs> i hadn't considered that right right but 
still, it's like, yeah, I think that would be the best solution. However, okay, I w- I don't see that being a likely scenario outcome. I don't see that happening. Well, again, um, that's okay. So that's your opinion, and I've expressed mine. Like, it, it you know, yeah. if we have to have a penalty, I think we stick with the the way it is, and you would like to see a time penalty. Um, if you're listening out there, you might have an opinion. You're yelling at the <laughs> at your <laughs> at your listening device, going, "No, let's do it this way." Or maybe you have a better idea. If that's the case, email us. You can send it to Dan at withmyuncle.com or send an email to Matt at withmyuncle.com. Give us your ideas, or send send one to both of us, and then and we'll we'll both read it, and then uh, and we'll read it on the air. If you if you have a if you have a comment, we will read it on the air. We'll discuss. Maybe you have a better idea. Maybe they've tried things Absolutely. in the past that we're not thinking of. Because, but otherwise, yeah, I think it's an interesting discussion. Yeah, but at least I th- we may disagree on on how the penalties you know, should be best applied. But I think we both agreed that it it would be better just to let the cost cap take care of it and do away with it entirely. <laughs> definitely. Yeah. Definitely. All right. All right. Um, well, hey. So this leads us to what should be the hot seat question, and I've got one for you that oh, actually really? revolves around this subject. Oh no! All right, so so go for it. And I, I I came up with this during the week and forgot I had it, but our discussion reminded me. Okay, so, all right. So this all is right. a what question. This is an actual question. In the in the year uh, we know the cost cap now is about one hundred and forty five million dollars. Right. In the year prior to the institution of the cost cap. Oh no. <laughs> How much money did Mercedes spend on their F1 efforts? I'm going to say something. We, you know, we know what the limit is now. And and supposedly this was done to keep, you know, the newer teams from having to have so much money to enter the sport. So the question is, mm-hmm. well, how much were these teams spending prior to the cost cap? So I happen to have the number for what Mercedes spent in the year prior to the cost cap. Take a guess. Okay. Don't give me the number. Let's kind of narrow in on it. I, I'm going to say it's well over $200 million. I'm going to stretch and say it might even be over $300 million for the year. Hmm. Is it in that $300 million ballpark? Give me a number. <laughs> I'll, I'll say 300 and 310. I don't know. Higher. Higher than that? <laughs> yes. Holy moly. Okay. Uh, 350? Higher. 400? Higher. 500? Bingo. <laughs> oh my god. They spent half a billion dollars. Uh, 500 million, half a billion on the year prior to the cost cap. <laughs> that is insane. Now, they may have spent all that money knowing the cost cap was coming. I didn't oh, I, I mean, I, I didn't you know, research I would. that. They may have done two or three years worth of but I get the feeling that it yeah. was going that direction with them, Red wow. Bull, Ferrari. But yes, I just happened to hear that number um, for Mercedes this week, and it was five hundred wow. million dollars. So there's the hot seat question for this. That's week. insane. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, that, so wow. that you know because we have spoken against the cost cap, and I I think the cost cap should be more generous, and you should be able to. I think they should create a time, like a, a cost per hour for wind tunnel time. And just, and they, and the teams can spend the money however they want. Like right now they limit wind tunnel time by hours in addition to the cost cap. I think that's just getting way too pedantic when it comes to the rules. Yeah. I think they should say, okay, guys, you know, wind tunnel time is 50,000 an hour. Use as much money as you want, but we're going to give you 250 million for the year. 
that's what I think it should be. Yeah, I think that would be. I, I think there should be a higher overall limit, maybe yeah. around a, a a round two hundred number, something like that. I don't know, but it it just it does seem that there is a little bit too granular control over what can be spent where, and I yeah. kind of wish that they would just pull that back and be like, here's your money, spend it how you want. Right. And, and if they, and most of these teams have their own wind tunnels, but are the big ones, yeah. and the, but the little guys don't. So they're going to have to rent time, make them True. make everybody pay the same amount for wind tunnel time. And, and the big teams that own their own wind tunnel, they can donate, they can donate the money to a charity of their choice or something, you know, give, <laughs> give back to the community or give it to the FIA in the, in terms of uh, improving, you know, tracks, you know, around the world and things like that. Yeah, or, you something know, like, like rebuilding Kyle. Oh, so you're saying if, if like Haas needs to use Ferrari's wind tunnel, they would pay Ferrari, but Ferrari would have to, or they would be well, paying. They already the pay F- Ferrari. But what I mean is if Ferrari wants to use Ferrari's wind tunnel, Ferrari still has to pay for it. <laughs> that's what, oh, I'm, I gotcha. that's I what gotcha. I'm getting at. In, in other words, if they built a cost into that, whether you own the tunnel or not, because oh, okay. the smaller teams have to pay for the wind tunnel time now with the bigger now now that's that's why they share engines so much too you know mm-hmm. because they can't build their own power plants but that's a whole mm-hmm. other discussion but right right but I you know the, I don't know that there's there's different I just say raise the cost cap do away with these limitations and let you know and let them race I think we need to turn the like a bell curve we need to we need to get on the other side of that bell curve on the downhill side. And and start getting back to more innovation uh, and less regulation. <laughs> in in principle, I completely agree with you. The only concern that I have is you have teams like Alfa Romeo, like Haas, sure. like Williams, that I don't think, I think they're already struggling to even pay as much as the current cost cap. Whereas if you were to raise that, it would be even more difficult for them to get the, the money to, to, to do that. Well, but, yeah. Okay. Know. Yeah. No, that's, that's a decent argument. I mean, maybe a more of a graduated cost cap. I don't know. You know where you get, know. where you get the the little teams can be subsidized to some degree. I don't know. It just but it does cost. Let's put it this way: it costs money to go into F one, but there have always yep. been people willing to pay it, whatever it is. That's true. And maybe it's like if Haas can't afford it, they should sell their team. Exactly. Maybe it should be that. That's yeah. exactly right. And somebody else will will step up and fill the vacuum. You know, maybe Elon Musk might might want a racing team. Andretti wants a racing team. Yeah. Yeah. So there's yeah. and there's other people that want racing teams. I mean, you know, look at the yeah. Strolls, you know, Lance Stroll's dad. He sure. managed to get a hold of a team. So and he's yeah. has a lot of money. There's ways to do it. There's people yeah. interested in racing that do have the um, the means to do it. So, yeah. But yeah, but, yeah, but 500 million, that would be kind of a lot. That's outrageous. <laughs> That's <laughs> crazy. But you know what? Sometimes these smaller teams come in, and and maybe they only have a hundred million, and that's fine. There, but if they can still stay, if they can qualify within enough time to stay on the grid and be competitive, then they can win races and start to get sponsorship. And well, it, win and it races. takes like five I mean, years to build their team. Yeah, well, I mean, they can be competitive. And, sure. Yeah. And that. What I mean is that they, you know, you have to qualify within X number of seconds of the top, yeah, yeah. top driver to even be allowed to race that weekend. Right. The thing is, a lot of these teams started small and then built up over time to the mm-hmm. big teams they are today. The difference is that it was a lot cheaper to run a team then. Well, and, and it's a lot more expensive now. Exactly. So th- that is maybe what we need to look at. 
when we're thinking of these? Like, how can we make it easier for smaller teams to enter without without necessarily regulating the big teams? I don't know. Here's one way. Redesign the engine so that all of the electronic components are gone and it's just an yeah. internal combustion engine and maybe have it run on hydrogen fuel or something. I don't know. But yeah, that, I think gee. that would be a lot less expensive than all of the electronics on. Yeah, just run regular high-performance racing fuel, Sunoco, yeah. <laughs> Sunoco race fuel, and do away with all the electronic garbage. Make the cars yeah. lighter. Bring in refueling, smaller gas tanks. <laughs> hey, we'll talk about you know, that next week, maybe. Honestly, but, we should probably get actually do that next week is yeah. the Formula Unlimited that we've been <laughs> mentioning. Yeah, from yeah time let's to time. do that next week. And we'll exhibit. all right. That's a little teaser for what's coming up next week then. <laughs> all right. Cool. Yeah, we'll just kind of play around with that idea and see what it might end up okay. looking like and, okay. and all that. So all right. Anything else for today? Or are we going to wrap it up there? Nope. I no. I think that covered it. Good, 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 good subject. Yeah, sounds good. All right. So uh, we will be back in about a week's time where we will most likely this time for real actually maybe talk about Formula Unlimited. So until then, thanks so much for listening and take care of yourselves. <laughs>